0: I really do believe in rugged individualism. Mm. Like I want people to bootstrap themselves and work hard and grind. Having said that, that comes from fear. That comes from a distrust of the system, distrust of mistrust of people. I want to I want to arm myself right to the hilt. I want to go farther up into the mountains, and I want to stay the f away from people. Here's the problem with that: I have to surrender um, to. The will of God and the voice of God and God says my child go back into the city I have seeds for you to tend in the soil so he calls me out from behind my bunker (laughs) he tells me to lower my walls and lay my weapons down and says you know I'm gonna protect you. you don't have to protect yourself and go be with people and make that investment in people welcome friends you are listening to blue collar money theories of middle-class investing with your hosts, P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch.
1: All right, all right. Welcome back. My name is Mike Hatch. I got P. W. Gopal with me once more. How you doing, P. w? Good to see you, buddy.
0: I'm doing well i'm I was uh really happy that we got to spend an hour, probably a little more than that, just kind of catching up and chatting and uh decompressing. I think we're both weary of the heat. yeah, and uh yeah, so i'm I'm excited. This is like one of my favorite topics that we're going to discuss today. so I'm ready to go.
1: Yep, me too, man. And so just as a reminder to those of you who might be joining us for the first time, we are in the midst of a series where we're talking about the mindset of an investor and the 10 values that make up that mindset or that frame a lifestyle of investing. And we are on value number, sorry, value number eight. And by the way, PW, real quick. Yeah. This is episode number 11. Yeah we crossed the 10 episode barrier. I just want to yeah. throw that out there. This is a big day.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> thought we were going to celebrate at 50, but okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. give up that easy, Mike.
1: Celebrate. <laughs> celebrate <laughs> early and often. Um, so episode number 11. Very excited about this. So, all right. So, but this value number 8 is generosity first. And we have uh, six points we want to kind of outline here with you today having to do with generosity. And really it comes down to first and foremost, I think PWG and I were talking about it. We serve and love an unbelievably generous God.
0: Yeah. I think for for our audience, um, you know, I know there's some folks that are listening that you know, you've heard us say that we follow Jesus. I'm sure that brings up tons of, you know, different reactions. But I respect the fact that there are people who are listening that may not. And so we can only speak from, from what we believe. But I, I just want you to know that I truly believe that Jesus is an incredibly generous God. Beyond anything that I can really explain or measure, mm-hmm. uh, I think you would agree with that. And so while we talk about generosity from that perspective, you know, like we are generous because it was done for us. Um, we also believe that, you know, that our friends that are not followers of Jesus can appreciate the value of generosity and appreciate what it feels like, appreciate what it means to give, appreciate, you know, the, the, the benefit to a community, to a family, to, to a nation. Um, and so we want to, we, we want to bring everyone onto the same page and you know, having, having said that. That's a great point. I think, yeah,
1: having that. Uh, this is going to sound really cheesy, but that "quote unquote" attitude of gratitude—that uh, you you hear that a lot. You know, you I see it as I'm on LinkedIn. I see posts like that constantly, and and so you're right.
0: Those are those are the people I want to beat with their own <laughs> arm. I want to pull their arm off and beat them with it. Uh, well, but the funny thing is, I I actually agree. I just really hate. <laughs> Those types of sayings. Mike Hatch said, we're gonna have to think of something else. <laughs> but you're right. I you're right. I think we have to we have to walk into this um with that mindset.
1: Yeah. So to start out, we're let's lay a foundation here. So as we go through these these six well, I don't know, what would you call them? They're there's six what, six points, I guess?
0: Yeah, they're just six points.
1: It's six points, yeah. Do you want to start out with with uh, with Malachi first, or you want me
0: to? No, I would love you to, do it, Pastor Mike. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, cool. So number one is uh, is Malachi, and, and in Malachi there is a passage there where God actually tells Israel to. It's the only passage in all of Scripture that we know of that God says to test me in this, and He says, "See that I don't pour out my blessing." Abundantly on you, but his his point was to to bring in to the to the storehouse in the sense of in Israel they had to provide a tithe or a tenth of their of their fruit of their production to provide for the Levites uh, who were basically the priests of the day and didn't have land and couldn't produce for themselves. And so they would bring this into a storehouse or into Jerusalem that would be able to provide for the Levites. And it would help to also just kind of help the the work of the priests in the temple continue as well as provide for other things too, like those who are, who might be homeless or. um,
0: Yeah. The poor, the orphans, the widows, the needy. yeah, Yeah, exactly. And
1: so God being a generous God is saying basically they were holding out it, malachi is addressing the israel because they were holding out on god they yeah. weren't they weren't being generous with their with that tithe. and god says hey wait i've been generous to you yeah you need to be generous now test me in this or yeah, test me in
0: this and, and what what folks would do is you know as they're bringing in crops from the field they're supposed to be giving back um a tenth right the tithe. they're supposed to be giving it back to the lord to honor god for for the gift of you know, to keep the other 90, we want to honor God. But a couple of things were happening. They were, they were, you know, kind of fibbing on the numbers, but they weren't giving the best 10th, hmm. right? They're, they're giving kind of the, you know, kind of collecting the scraps and bringing it in. And so the, so God through the prophet is telling his people like, Hey, I am a generous God and you can test me on this. Bring in the first fruits, um, of your crop, bring it into the storehouse, and see if I will not open the floodgates. Mm-hmm. And that that visual has always caught me. Of like, you know, because my my view of God has always been fairly small, and it's because of my kind of religious upbringing and a different religion um, that that there was a finite amount of things in the world, so I had to get for myself. And mm-hmm. um, and this idea of God being generous was not what I experienced as a, as a as a young man and And even after having read this, it was very hard for me to to kind of lean into it and say, "I trust you and now you know i'm 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 thirty some years is that right yeah thirty years beyond hmm. having you know started this relationship with jesus, and I feel like I'm just starting to to understand like how generous god is and I, and i and i really and I encourage you if you like games like I like games to to make a game of this to test the Lord in these things and see. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Like we've been encouraging people to write down your values and we've been trying to kind of explain ours. Right. So we're on, we're on value number eight today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have 10 pretty simple ones that we kind of live by. Mm-hmm. Um, but to write down your values, to understand the language behind it, to talk about it, like you didn't read it in a book somewhere, but you can tell you know somebody what you believe in 30 seconds but then to live those values. And this is a really fun one to live. Mm. This is a really fun one to live. Um, And it, but it starts with this idea that, that we believe in a God, Mike and I, and many people who are listening, we believe in a God who's been radically generous with us. Now you look at the state of the world and it may not feel like that. Mm. Um, And there's a real, there's a real interesting piece of this puzzle is that God for whatever reason has invited us into his narrative and his story that he's writing. And he says, you do it. I've been generous with you. Now you go do it. That's amazing. And to me, it's like, Oh, I, I, like I get the tingles in my hands and my feet. Like I'm on a really high cliff, like, Oh crap. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but it's not like he says, you go do it. And I'm going to leave you alone or I'm going to turn the other way. Or I, you know, like I have, I have the power of the Holy spirit to do this and, and to not only understand his generosity, but to be generous, to find people who have a need to see them, right. To recognize them. I see you, um, to speak those words, but then to back it up. Yeah. Right.
1: Oh my gosh. That's powerful. Yes.
0: Yeah. Cause all of us, I mean, we smell it coming when people are just, you know, unloading BS on us, we know that there's nothing backing it. But man, when somebody can say, Hey man, I see you and I'm going to sit with you until this is over. And by the way, um, let me feed you for a while. Like, let me, let me, let me help pay your bills. Let me make sure these things get paid. What do you need? What can I do for you? If the church is full of those people, Holy cow. I just, I just think the kingdom moves forward with that kind of recognition of God's generosity and then stepping into that, you know, that place alongside of him, I think things start to move. So let's understand where we're starting, um, in Malachi and just the size of the God that we're talking about. Yeah.
1: And you, you mentioned something I thought was really good PW that you said, uh, to be able to actually follow through and do it. And that, that is exactly what Jesus did. He followed through in a big way. God did, uh, in giving his life for us. And, and to redeem us and restore us into relationship with him. The other passage I wanted to mention just briefly is the, um, there's a parable that Jesus tells of the unmerciful servant who was brought before a King and he owed him uh, about $380 million worth of gold. And which would uh, be about 7,600 years worth of wages. (laughs) So, and the funny thing is, the tragic thing is this servant who was brought in before the king begged the king, wait, please let me go. I promise I'll pay it all back. So he's, he actually. 300, $380 million. For the yes. Kingdom. Yes. He actually <laughs> says, let me, let me pay it back to you. And the king's like, of course the king. It says something and I forget what it exactly said, but it says clearly he couldn't pay it back because he couldn't pay it back. Basically, the king said, you know what? I forgive the debt. You're free and clear go about your life. And so he, that King ate, swallowed that debt. I mean, imagine a business or a government, somebody swallowing 7,600 years worth of wages, that amount of debt to free someone from that bondage. Oh my gosh. You have to have a generous heart. Unfortunately, that servant went out and strangled someone who owed him (laughs) $25,000 worth of silver, basically. And uh, and you
0: and I would never do something like that, Mike, would we? <laughs> That's the horrible part of this story is we've all, yes. we've all done that. We, yep. well, we, well, here and, Because nobody wants to start from zero. When your debt's forgiven, you're like, you feel the weight off your shoulders. And then you're like, but I still got zero in the account. <laughs> so let me go scrape up what everybody owes me so I can see a small number in my account so I can feel better. Ugh. Like, we're still, yeah, we we're, we're I know I can be so
1: stingy when it comes to that, like when it comes to, yeah, you said something earlier too, PW, that like you grew up wanting to get what was yours, what was yours, you know what I mean? And like live from that scarcity mindset. And so many of us are living that way. But when we have a God who lavished on us <laughs> that amount um, of forgiveness and unconditional love, oh my gosh, who are we not to... uh forgive others way more than we've been forgiven or, um, well, we couldn't, we actually couldn't forgive others as much yeah. as we actually technically.
0: Yeah. But anyway, so, so moving off of, so first point, generosity, second point is ownership. And, and this is something we can't get wrong. Um, I mean, I think we do. And I think most people would ascribe to this, um, on paper, but then in practice we lose it is this idea of ownership if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and everything in between, and it's all his, then I'm just taking care of it. But what I realized is when I start, when I was trading my first financial coach, um, he said, I need you to understand um, three emotions, fear, hope, and greed. He said, if you can master those emotions, if you can learn them in yourself and understand what they look like, but see it on the screen, hmm. you can see what fear looks like. And it's, it's actually kind of awesome to see a picture being made by all these candles on your screen and you can literally see fear develop and like the the chart moves differently. Like it's an active and you know, you've got 60,000 maybe more people trading across the world and fear has a look to it and Mm -hmm. hope has a look to it and greed has a look to it. And, and all those three emotions run the markets. Mm -hmm. And, and if you succumb to that, you will lose every time. Hmm. Because a believer, somebody who follows Jesus and has this understanding of His ownership, has to be acting in faith, hmm. right? So I, I grew up in a fear mindset. So removal is a big fear for me. So if if this thing hurts me, then I remove it. Hmm. Um, and so I'm always hoping for something good. But whenever you know, whenever some kind of poison or a poisonous person or thing happens to me, I, I end up removing it. And so when you get into that, again, the scarcity mindset, when you do have a little bit showing itself on your plate, you reach for everything off of your plate as well. Mm. You became you became the greediest son of a gun <laughs> on the planet because you're like, man, this may not come back. Mm-hmm. And the the human animal responds directly to fear, hope, and greed. I mean, you can watch it. I mean, I, there's, I have dozens of books on my shelf that talk about it. The, the spiritual being that we are supposed to be becoming that we are, I believe like we were supposed to be responding in faith Mm. um, to God saying, look, let me do for you what you cannot do for yourself. These are my things and I manage them and no, by the way, I will let you use them while you're here. So it's all his. That's right. Um, yeah, I do like the fact that I get to put my name on stuff, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Like, yeah. Name on a company, name on a deed, name on a something. Like, there's something about. And I, I again, I think God's a generous God, and so He's like, let me, let me give you a little bit here to to feed your ego, because I know you're you're a man and you're an egomaniac. And um, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm with you. Yeah, we're all the same. Yeah, we're all we're all kind of feeling that same thing. And um, but yeah, but, just.
1: Just think about if, if you had if you had a, a relative, a rich uncle, if you will, who owned, you know, a tremendous amount of you know wealth and land and everything or whatever, and and you knew that you had access to all of that, because just by virtue of being his relative or her relative, that's that's the way it is with, with our relationship with God. Like he's, except he owns
0: everything. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. But how hard is it to believe that? Cause to me, I'm like, there's a catch. There's a limit to that person's generosity. Like, surely I can't come poach on his land every weekend and take as many deer and bear, you know, like mm-hmm. just pick your example. Surely there's a limit to it. What's the catch.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And and again, like I, I, I understand that kind of cynicism because I feel that. Mm -hmm. but, and this is why we need to be in relationships with people that we talked about in these previous podcasts, you know, we need to have these cheerleaders because they can remind us of what the truth is. And the truth is that we don't own these things. If we get to put our name on it temporarily, it's just because God is generous and is letting us play a little bit.
1: Yep. But it does, you're right. It affects our mindset because it, it means that, okay, this thing that I have, I am, and, and we're going to get to stewardship, but but we're stewarding it or, or we're, we're, we're using it, borrowing it, if you will, on behalf of someone else Mm -hmm. that, that should affect how we, how we approach it in our mindset.
0: Yeah. So, and I, I live in tension and you may be this way too. Um, Mike and I talk about this. I feel like I understand a little bit of the tension he lives in, but this is mine laid out to you and it's, and it's pretty gross. Um, (laughs) the tension I live in is I don't trust anybody. I trust my wife. I trust Mike. I trust a handful of people who've proven themselves to me. Um, Most people um, have screwed me over in some way, little, big, whatever. Um, And part of it's just because, you know, I expected him to. So I didn't really put a whole lot of work into it. Right. It's always a two way street because I've gotten there. I, I really do believe in rugged individualism. Like, I want people to bootstrap themselves and work hard and grind. Having said that, that is my, that comes from fear. That comes from a distrust of the system, distrust of mistrust of people. I want to, I want to, I want to arm myself, t- right, to the hilt. I want to go farther up into the mountains and I want to stay the F away from people. Mm. Those are my personal values. You you may have just reflected,
1: I think, the majority of of those who might describe themselves as blue-collar. Maybe,
0: maybe. Um, Here's the problem with that, with that thinking, is I have to surrender my experience and my, that line of thinking, the fear, hope, and greed kind of repackaged in that um, libertarianism. I have to surrender um, to the will of God and the voice of God, and God says, My child, go back into the city. I have seeds for you to tend in the soil. Um, There are people there. My children are there. I don't know what role we have in bringing people back to Jesus. I I have no idea. I just know that he gave us one. I don't know the effect of it. So he calls me out from behind my bunker He tells me to lower my walls and lay my weapons down and says, you know, I'm going to protect you. You don't have to protect yourself and go be with people and make that investment in people. And that drives me crazy. Like I hate people, but I love persons. And it's because like when I look at somebody one-on-one and I see the color of their eyes and we get to, I get to hear their story. I start to to really trust. I really start to trust God because I see a beautiful person in front of me whatever state that they're in. When I think of how we act as people, I'm kind of embarrassed and grossed out by the whole thing. And it makes me want to quit again, why we have to remind each other what the truth is in this um, state of the U S where things feel like they're on fire. Uh, I personally think things are going to get worse. I think the economy is going to get worse. I think when all the industries start to really feel the disruptions and have to lay people off, I think because it's in the summer right now, it's getting hotter. I think people are more irritable. Crime always goes up in the summer for that reason, because people don't have freaking air conditioning. It's really, it's 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 a it's a very basal, you know, kind of reaction. Yeah. Um, we have to be reminding each other, kind of, what really is true. And this goes to our third point: if we're not listening to the voice of God amidst amidst this 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 conflict and amidst amidst this chaos. Um, we are going to be responding in fear, hope, and greed in the wrong ways Mm -hmm. instead of acting in faith, instead of responding in faith, instead of responding according to our values, we're not going to be listening for the voice of God, we're going to be reacting. That's that's how nationalism comes out, you know. We value the nation of the U.S., we, you know, the stars and the stripes, like, like I. I'm an immigrant who has benefited wildly from this country, and I believe in this country, and I believe in the. I actually, I mean, the Constitution is something that I know, hmm. like it's valuable to me. But what's happening now with the right and the left is a bit of a joke. Hmm. the 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 nationalists, you know, versus the anarchists, is what it feels like. The progressive versus the the hyper Christian, like it's gross. And so we need people. To say, hey, you know what, like, there's work to be done, and I can join in on some of that work, but my job is to respond in faith to the voice of God. Hmm. The voice of God coming through scripture, the voice of God coming through my prayer room. I need to be responding to the voice of God, and part of that is whom God wants to be generous with. Hmm. So God may have some someone or
1: something in mind in terms of where he might want you to direct yeah. your resources.
0: Yeah. In the midst of all this, instead of us reacting, I'm sure that many people are avoiding the closet and their time with the Lord, and they're not listening. And God may say, hey, I need you to give this person a specific amount of money. Well, Lord, I don't have that kind of money. Well, that's not your problem, is it? That's my problem. Let <laughs> me give it to you, and then you can give it to them. Mm-hmm. These are the stories that that we will hear, but are probably in small number. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe after people listen to this podcast, maybe they'd be encouraged to go back and start listening. Our giving must be planned and it must be planned ahead. Hmm. And, and that's number three, right? That's number three. Planned giving is number
1: three.
0: Mm-hmm. And planned giving is in direct correlation with the voice of God. Who is God telling you to give money to? Who is God telling you to bless, to give your time to, your resources to? I was sharing this with a friend the other day. I'm like, you can't. I have a 68-year-old, 68-year-old white conservative man who came to me and said, I want you to teach me about race. I'm like, well, I can only tell you what it's like to be a brown guy. I can't teach about race, but let's read this book together. So we're going through a a book on racism together. Mm. And the, the incredible thing, you know, for us is like we are getting to hear each other's stories and, and learn from each other. But in the end, we have to be encouraging one another to go back to the closet Mm. and be with the Lord. And for him to tell us like, he's not going to tell, he's not going to tell us to sit longer. We may get that, but at some point he's going to tell us to move out and to act. And we may not be able to fix the whole problem, but usually when we're praying, he's going to fix our own values. He's going to fix some kind of systemic problem. Um, And he may, and he, and he obviously is going to be tying us in relationship to one another. So I encouraged this man. I said, what if God told you to invest in somebody who wasn't like you? Hmm. What if that's what that's what your fix for racism was? Was just going and being with that one person and getting to know their story and maybe that would maybe that would be it. But it's gotta start in the closet.
1: Yep. And yeah, you hit on something there too, because sometimes with this, when it comes to plan gaming, you don't get the credit either. So your relationship with that guy could be mutually beneficial, obviously. You guys will both be built up and encouraged by each other this guy will move on potentially and 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 impact other people you know Mm -hmm. but you nobody may know how you impacted him which changed him in such a way to to either be more generous or to treat people differently and more lovingly or or do something out do you know
0: what i mean like yeah are you saying that i don't get to be impressive mike hatch I I was waiting for you to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that is, that is something that like, it's just weird. I mean, being a guy and wanting to, I told you earlier, I said, I'm like a big dumb Malamute. I just want to do the work and I just want to go from point A to point B and I want somebody to praise me for how I did it. And, and then I want the legend to continue on. Don't build a <laughs> statue for me when I'm dead. Like yeah. name something after me now. It, to <laughs> me, most people, most guys I know think that way. Yeah, like, I don't know how women live with us, but yeah, at, it is some, so true. at some point, like we are supposed to make this investment and we may get zero credit for it. And I think what you and I were talking about earlier is like, it kind of bums us out a little bit that we don't get to look impressive while we're making this investment. Like blue collar investing is about investing resources in a, in, in a way that, that may bring out a small benefit, but I, I mean, obviously we're, we're doing it because of obedience. Like we're not putting in millions and making and bringing out millions. It's not the kind of machines we're working with. And so it can look maybe ugly. It can look kind of unimpressive. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's hard to swallow, My catch, like It is. <laughs> but you're right. It's part of the deal. But here's, okay, so I watched a movie,
1: and I would highly recommend this movie to anybody who's listening. What is it? It's called A Hidden Life. Okay? Uh, and it is now now it is kind of an artsy movie like you kind of have to be willing to sit through some artsy kind of cinematic which i which i enjoy i like that kind of stuff but it is it is profound um and it's called a hidden life because it's a story of this of this farmer this very obscure farmer in austria who decided not to serve in the german military and defy hitler and as a result, because he he didn't believe in what was happening, and as a result, he was imprisoned and endured incredible torture yeah. and eventually death. And he left a wife and three kids back on the farm who had to who were suffering through the experience as well. And it is it is gut-wrenching at times. It is absolutely gut-wrenching to watch this play out. Yeah. Now he and he was a Christian and his his Christian faith is, I think, very is demonstrated very well in the film but yeah the, the idea of a hidden life is that sometimes the biggest impacts that are, that are made in the world are through people who are not known are through that hidden life
0: here's the is that netflix by the way where where can i see this thing i don't know uh yeah, it yeah might be. we're gonna have to put in the show notes now that you said it I know, right? We have to figure this part out cuz I want to see it now cuz anybody who's yeah, anybody who defied Hitler, I I want to know about him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. But the point is he was he was living for a a greater purpose. So he was serving the God's purposes which I'm sure were born out of time and prayer like you're mentioning and then that leading to obedience to God regardless of the circumstances or the what may happen as a result.
0: We are in a, we're in a, we're in a stage in, in history, which, well, I haven't experienced it in my lifetime. Uh, you know, I'm half a century old. So somebody may have experienced this, but I, I've had not met them. There's no accountability for information. Hmm. So I can take information and I can skew it and I can, you know, I can make an argument and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm making a point and I'm making people's instead of allowing people to understand my point, I'm making them fact check me to understand my spin. Mm. And there's a whole lot of work in that. So I'm not actually seeking for people to understand me and I'm not seeking to understand. I'm just trying to win. Mm. And so it doesn't matter if you're on the right and it doesn't matter if you're on the left, both in my estimation, both are doing the exact same thing. And in that season, in this season that we're living in right now with that lack of accountability, with origin bias, with straw man fallacy. It's like every way, every which way you can win an argument, the quickest way to win, very little work is being done, mm-hmm. uh, bringing sides together. They're just, you know, basically pointing blame and, you know, throwing babies out with the bathwater. Yeah. And in the midst of that, God is looking for his people, um, to tend the gardens. Mm. Right? So he's, he is the gardener. So he is going to make the seed. Like you said, it's going to be a reproducing seed. It is going to get planted. We're not re- even responsible for the soil. But for whatever reason, he's like, pick up a rake and rake that a little bit so I can, you know, call it good work. I'm going to put my seed in it. And by the way, I'm going to water it. You probably don't know the difference between weeds and what I'm giving you. Yeah, right. You, right. So he's like, let them grow up together. That's right. I'll, I'll separate them all out in the end. You, you know, little person. And, and in the midst of all that, somehow his kingdom is going to move forward amidst this chaos. It feels like it's all going to burn right now. Yeah. But number one, you know, we as believers have to believe that he's in control of it. Number two, again, if you haven't got the fourth turning shame on you, if you haven't read where you are, that should give you a little bit of perspective on how we're repeating history and if you know where you are in history, this is my, what my financial coach Jeff told me. He goes, if you know where you're in history, you don't have to fear. Hmm. Because you know wh- how the cycle starts to even out and you start to come out of this season. This season will end. Yep. But why not do the most amount of good in this season? I think people are waiting to be invested in. Oh yeah. Your time, your energy, your resources. Like COVID has been great for us because I can invest in people via Zoom and I'm now I am working a ton on my house and trying to get uh, you know a couple of rentals fixed up, but I've had, I have a lot more time than I would if I was actually on the road working. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat, but we are, what I've noticed about myself, maybe you're in the same boat is that I'm doing a lot for myself for my own storehouse. Mm-hmm. like, I love that you use that word. Cause it, you know, it's tied with a little bit of greed. Hmm. Um, and what I, I was hanging out with my buddy, John, the other day, he was like one of the most humble and generous people. And, and I just was reminded of like, Oh, I'm doing a lot for myself right now. I should be more like John. who was like Christ, who is like doing a lot for other people. Oh. Yeah, right. And it took me down this whole rabbit trail. It's not a rabbit trail. It's the actual trail of reminding myself like, Oh my God is generous. Like, Holy cow, this is his stuff. Hmm. And he's calling me into it, but I'm not listening cause I'm busy, like just pulling all my own stuff together and to make sure it doesn't go anywhere Mm mm-hmm right
1: Mm mm-hmm definitely yeah so so real quick uh, let me if you don't mind i want to bring us back to the i guess wrapping up number three that we're on here but why as quick as we can i guess why planned giving well i think
0: if we it goes back to your horrible example of getting credit for stuff oh yes the example that i just uh, i i know that you're right and it drives me crazy yeah God's not, if we get to do things that are reasonable, we get to take credit for it, right? So I want to give a lot of money to a friend of mine who started Young young Life, this ministry in a different country. And I picked a number that I feel like the Lord's given me. And I'm like, holy, there's no chance I'm going to get this amount of money. Like it's a shocking amount of money, but I feel like it's the right number. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to get there, but that's not my problem. That's God's problem. If he gave me the number and that's the guy I'm supposed to give it to, then my job is to do my daily, do my due diligence and surrender the freaking outcome. Maybe I get to that number in half the time. Maybe it's double the time. It doesn't really matter. I, he wants me to listen for specifics because he's going to give me specifically hmm. right. He's going to give me direction. And those include things that only he can take credit for. Yeah, that's well said. Definitely. And that's, that's the part that sucks, Mike. Cause I want credit for this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right. And exactly. he's like, "Nah, I don't think so." Mm-hmm. So our next point, number four, is mm-hmm. conduit, right? So there's a real physical part of this game of giving money away, and and it's and it's very mechanical. It's like as basic as if you want to leave money to an organization um, or to a family or a nonprofit or whatever, have you met with a fiduciary to set those things up? This is, is the not of- so fun part, by the way. This is the kind of like.
1: This is the kind of stuff honestly p w that probably bogs some people down, <laughs> they yeah you want to get to that generous giving maybe part, but they're like, oh, I gotta meet with this person and go through this and do that.
0: yeah gets- and it's it really is a drag, um, but if you think of it as a game, I make a list, and if I do things not on the list, I write them on there and cross them out, like hmm. I make things I make lists and and I put one of these things on almost every day. And sometimes I push them back, but that's where the accountability comes in from other people. You are going to have to, if you want to move down this road, you really should be considering protecting assets for generosity, either to give to your family so then they can be working on these seeds or to give to organizations for when you pass. But this is the wills, trust, and insurances conversation. Those require real people. You're going to have to talk to somebody who's licensed to to do these things. Um, But we're also talking about monthly giving right? Yeah, so right. Like, like the first fruit idea is like not not dragging cash out of a drawer at some point and be like, oh, what's in there? Uh, well, let's just take 10% of it. No, it's it's actually like do the numbers. How much money do you bring in every month? And even if you have a down month, just automate it and take that 10% or whatever it is and make sure it's going to your church or going to an organization. We actually like to have money on hand And every month we pray and we're like, who does the Lord saying that we should give money to? Mm -hmm. And because, you know, we, we want to love on our friends and we want to be attentive to their needs. But sometimes we get busy and I don't know what their needs are, Mm -hmm. but God does. And God will put them on our hearts and we'll just send random checks out. And it is so fun for somebody to say, Hey, you know what? This was so timely. Mm -hmm. These things are going on and and, and it, and it helps me, it ties me into my community again. So you and
1: so you are that that plumbing <laughs> or or the conduit for yeah. God's blessing and resources being able to to enter into someone else's life.
0: Yeah, we we are a a managing point, right? So um yeah. But if if money is to flow through you, where's it gonna go? How's it gonna get there? And how and do you it,
1: make sure it continues to flow through? Like
0: yeah. Yeah, and it's so easy right now, especially with Venmo and PayPal and all these automated ways where with a click of a button or two clicks of a button, it can be, it can be getting to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, if I know money is going out the door planned and money is going to be tight, that's going to make me pray a little harder and work a little harder. That's not a bad thing. Great point. Yep. Um, stewardship, I want you to talk about stewardship because this is your wheelhouse.
1: Great. Yeah. So stewardship and I think stewardship and the idea of conduits definitely go together. And we were, we were hitting on this before in terms of stewardship, but I was talking to PW and I were talking earlier about the, the course that I've been working on. Uh, one of the aspects of that course is this mindset. And with mindset, the question is, are you going to act as a steward or are you going to act as a storehouse? Um, If you really trust God, like we've talked about before, and we believe that he is as generous and good and faithful as we we believe he is, then we're going to be excited to allow those resources that he provides for us to flow through us as stewards, because we've got an abundance mentality, because God is the source. He's the, as we talked about, he owns everything. It's never going to run out. And we can trust him. Therefore, we can have an abundance mentality. Or if you distrust God and you don't believe He's good, or or you you uh, you think He's holding out on you or something, we become storehouses and we build bigger barns, kind of like the the math. What was it? Luke 12, where the uh, the parable of the rich fool that Jesus tells, where this guy had a bumper crop and so he built bigger and bigger storehouses or, or barns to hold all of his seed all of his grain, be cut out of a scarcity mentality. But he also, he did that so that he could then relax and chill and not have to worry about anything anymore. And I think often that can be our motivation, is to avoid hardship. The reality is because we're in a sinful, broken world, things are hard. There's thorns and thistles we have to compete with. Uh, Relationships are hard and all these different things can come in to,
0: to sabotage our efforts. Let me interrupt real quick. And you're not, what you're not describing is, is a, a lifestyle of preparedness, right? Like, yes. So that being prepared and like, you know, all of our safety conversations that we discussed, that's, that's part of being a good steward. Definitely. Yes. it's, It's not just kind of walking through haphazardly.
1: Right. Again, the yes. motives behind it are are key. The, the the Luke twelve parable. The motives behind it were this guy wanted to, um, he wanted to take it easy. He wanted to be all about himself and live for himself and not others, like we were just talking about. And so, yeah. But we have. I think you mentioned it this way. We've we have gardens to tend, which include, you know, maybe businesses, but also relationships responsibilities, our homes, our families. We have these, I like the, um, I forget the, the name of the book, but I, I read an, an author who said, uh, every man has a field to tend. And I think you could say every man or woman has a field. has yeah, a field to tend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we are entrusted by God with these resources to steward them responsibly out of a, an abundance mentality out of the goodness of, of trusting the goodness of, of God and not out of a scarcity mentality, trying to get what we can get for ourselves. Cause we're not sure we're going to get any more. Right. Stewardship. That was what I would have to say
0: about stewardship. The last point, um, which is, we're going to try and wrap it up in a nice bow. Um, this is something that my wife has really encouraged me with, um, I've dealt with depression since I was a kid and a lot of it had to do with just abuse and religion was a part of that. Um, and depression has continued even just being in the church. It's like a major trigger for me. Mm. Um, and so my wife said, you know, one of the practices that we should do at the end of the day, is just to kind of a, to center myself is to, is to, we would say, you know, three things, what are three things we're thankful for? Mm. And you really have to, you know, and, and you could just give like, you know, I would always give the same three answers and, but I meant it, but then I moved on and I didn't four and five and six answers. And what was happening is, you know, it's just like going to church and worshiping, right? The first song is a bit of a throwaway because mm-hmm. we're just trying to get comfortable being in the room. And we're like looking around who's there. You know, I know as a worship leader by song two and a half, People are in the spirit and they're worshiping. <laughs>
1: that's right. Good. So yeah.
0: I would name three things, but by four, five, six, seven, I really am thankful. I'm saying it and I really am thankful for the things. And that's something my my wife is like eternally positive. The influence that she's had on me. It stops me hmm. and it reminds me of what God has already done hmm. and it allows me to say thank you. And and it is, it is in small part, you know, I don't know if I'm using this word correctly, an homage uh of his of a tithe Hmm. oh yeah okay so it's just kind of hinting back to like i'm gonna return Hmm. my first fruits and and part of that is just like a thank you that's the that's the least i can do is a thank you but it does set myself up well when i go to bed and even in the morning Hmm. i'm terrible at it when i get up in the morning like i'm not grateful to get up Hmm. um that's, that's interesting because so what you're
1: saying is it takes effort. It takes effort to to worship, like you mentioned yeah. in church. It takes effort to get beyond that uncomfortable stage and release. Yeah. It takes effort to be intentional about gratitude and, and, and understanding the ways God has
0: blessed us. And I'm going to add one thing because I like seven. I don't <laughs> like six points, so let's make this seven points. Biblical number of completion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just lost half our audience. I know. Uh, we, <laughs> only do, we only do threes or sevens around here, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Um, I, I really do. I, <laughs> I that, want, that that was a, an amazing accent, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, that's, yeah, welcome to my world. I, I want to just write down number seven. I just quickly came up with the word company. Generosity is directly correlated to the company you keep. We we talked a lot about us between us and God and us and God. And and if you are not a follower of Jesus, or if you're not a, a believer in God, you can still understand the benefit of generosity. You can still be generous. The seventh part is really just the company that I keep, the people that remind me of who I am, what my values are, and what the road that I said that I'm on. That company reminds me of of the pace that I should keep and and the fact that I just need to stay the course. We are going to surrender the outcome. We're going to move forward. We're going to be grateful. We're going to be generous. Mm. Um, When I say it, I hear it come out of my mouth once when Mike says it back to me, I hear it twice when we both know the language and we just repeat it back and forth. um, It becomes part of us and it reminds us, it reminds us to stay hopeful and that, and that things will get better. Everyone who's listening to this podcast should be in charge of more things a year from now. Mm-hmm. Because we have been faithful with what we have been given and we're returning our first fruits back to God. We've said thank you. We've looked at people whom we want to bless. We've looked at ministries. We've looked at things we want to invest in. And we've said, God, make me an investor to move this thing forward, to move this kingdom forward. I think if that language is shared, real things happen.
1: Yeah, it becomes a self perpetuating thing within that community of people, within the company of people that we meet, yeah. right? It, it,
0: in yeah. a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Friends, thank you for listening in. You have been listening to Blue Collar Money with P.W. Gopal and Mike Hatch. If you would like to reach out to P.W. directly, you can reach him through his website at pwgopal.com or you can reach out to Mike Hatch at empoweredmanhood.com. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming content. Thank you again for listening. And we look forward to connecting with you soon.